This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon, a unique blend of hunting, fishing, wildlife conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. DSC's Campfires is brought to you by DSC conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Taurus, award-winning pistols and revolvers. Mossberg, American built, American strong. Habit, our gear, your adventure. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the campfire. If you're around last week, and I hope that you were, and I'm pretty sure you probably were, we have Mr. Connor Harrison with DSC. He is the Director of Communications at DSC, and we spoke about a lot of things that he is involved in here with uh, the Dallas Safari Club or DSC in terms of not only the publication, but also getting the word out and keeping in touch with members and a whole lot of other good things. And and uh, wanted to bring him back for several reasons, but one of the reason is Connor has done a little bit of hunting and fishing in the past. He's originally from down in Florida, so he, he knew a little bit about fishing that part of the world, and he lived in Kerrville, if you heard what we talked about last time a little bit, so I know he did some hunting there, and then Connor and I also share several friends, one of them particularly being Tim Fallon, who is now the uh, president of DSC, and, and during my tenure with the DSC Foundation was the president of the DSC Foundation, so uh, Tim, I hope you're listening. We promise not to tell too many stories about you, and if we do, uh, we'll make sure that there's none of them that are really true, so <laughs> anyway. Connor. It's hard to tell a Tim Fallon story on air without having to edit half of it out, but yes, we'll try. We'll, we'll, we'll try, or, or we'll maybe bring him back around a campfire there at the FTW, and you and I, he will sit around and and uh, and commiserate and, and tell some stories there. But last week, we talked about so many things dealing with DSC, but you mentioned growing up in Florida and spending a lot of time fishing there, and Saltwater is is totally different in so many different respects from the freshwater. I, most of my fishing has been freshwater. So, enlighten our viewers a little, our listeners a little bit about 
living down in Florida, which is obviously one of the finest places on earth to be if you love to fish. It, it is. Um, and, and growing up there as a kid, it was really a neat place to grow up. Uh, we hunted land uh, just north of Lake Okeechobee there oh, yes. in, the, in the Cypress Swamps. And, and I grew up as a bass fisherman, a shallow water bass fisherman oh, in, in course, Florida yeah, is what, what you do. Um, and so that was, as a kid, you know, it was bobbers and cane poles and then on to spin casts and finally to bait casters but but big bass is really what I chased uh, mostly growing up and then uh, obviously having a coast uh, on 45 minutes from Orlando on either side of you uh, you get the salt water as well and you know the, the shallow salt water the in, inshore stuff is is very similar to freshwater uh, for the most part really uh, okay you're, yeah you're throwing throwing you know lures or, or some live bait and uh, in Florida we're catching very similar to what Texas catches on the Gulf Coast uh, the redfish uh, the spotted sea trout, um, you know, a little bit offshore. You've got the grouper and the snapper and, and all the offshore stuff. We had cobia. You call them ling here in Texas. Yes, okay. Um, and so very similar species, but uh, some of them might be named a little bit differently. But, yeah, we uh, we got a, a nice taste of, of both growing up, fresh and salt water. So it was a really fun place to grow up and, and enjoy the outdoors. Tell me something about the big bass. Uh, I've, I've had several friends that have fished down there. And, uh, I've known Jim, uh, Jimmy Houston for years and Roland Martin. <laughs> those guys have got I've hunted turkeys a couple times rolling many, many years ago. But uh, those guys are, are big name time fisheries. And I know Roland spent a lot of time down in that part of the world, particularly. So when you went out to, were there specific areas that you look for when you're trying to catch a big fish? Were there specific seasons? And were particular live baits or, sure. or, or uh, artificial type things? Uh, both. Um, and, and just like here in Texas, you've got to spawn in early spring in Florida right. and those bass will get on the beds. And that's probably the easiest time to target a big female is, uh, is in the spring on the beds. But in Florida, as opposed to some of the lakes in Texas, we didn't have very many deep lakes growing up. I don't remember, unless it was a natural spring in Florida, the lakes were only... 10 to 12 feet deep Ooh, really? at, at, at the yeah. max. And so a lot of it was shallow fishing. I would look for lily pads or some kind of structure like you do with, with bass fishing anywhere. And, uh, Caught my biggest fish on uh, live shiners, um, and and that seemed to produce uh, the bigger trophy quality fish. And Florida's got a lot of trophy quality fish. I believe they're supplementing the Florida strains with the Texas strains, and it's been a huge success with the Sheer Lunker program here in Texas of producing some really nice fish. So genetically, Florida had really big, nice fish. Um, I've, I've only caught a couple over 10 pounds. Uh, they're, they're still few and far between, like a, yes. like a low-fence boot and Crockett whitetail. <laughs> they are right. still uh, something to be proud of. And um, uh, But, uh, yeah, I could honestly be happy with a cane pole and a bobber <laughs> and, and a worm uh, on a lot of days. That, that suits me just fine. So. I'm, I'm laughing because I, I talked to Connor a little bit. I was on the way. We recently had uh, Rick Lambert, Miranda's dad, and – uh, Jim Zumbo, two guys who are very, very dear friends of mine. We were fishing for uh, for bluegill up in uh, Oklahoma, and even though we didn't have a cane pole, we did have a rod and reel with a bobber with, you know, using worms primarily, and that was absolutely brought back so many memories. It's hard to beat. I kind of like you grew up. 
only only thing is we we used the cane poles and all that, but instead of calling it bobber, we called it a stopper because okay. it, it, it stopped the bait from going all the way down to the ground, kind of thing. But uh, yep, those those are and they're still fun times, aren't they? They are. They are. I've got a thirteen year old daughter and an eight year old son. And, oh my gracious! Yes, and there, there's nothing better than than getting out and watching them catch fish. And and like you said, no, hard to beat a bobber and a, and a live worm. Elmo, it, it's you know it, most fish will bite that. And so um, it's, it's still nice to go back to the well and uh, and then dig out a night crawler and put it on a hook and still watch the kids get excited when they when they catch a fish. There's nothing better. Absolutely. So. I get tickled every once in a while. I, I really enjoy fishing. I don't get a chance to do it very often. So I say, what's your favorite fish? And I go, fish. Yes. The kind that bites. <laughs> the kind that bites. Right. And I'm one of those kind of like Mr. Zumbo in that uh, I'm a my catch and release comes only on certain species and you know the thing about it is and I want to bring this up here because I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different fishers crew and when I was up there with Zumbo and, and Lambert we were, we were talking about keeping some of these smaller bass and which you really need to do if you want to try to manage your your ponds for a little bit of uh, of quality in terms of fish and I remember Zumbo saying he said oh my god if we did anything talking about killing a bass you know, we'd probably be crucified kind of thing. Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand <clears throat> that you have to treat these fish just like you do other species. They can get badly overpopulated very, very quickly. And so in the future, if you see a photograph of me with a bass in my hand or me telling a story about catching a bass, that bass is anything over about three pounds or two pounds, it's going to go back. But if it's less than that, it's probably going to go in my skillet come word down <laughs> Kind of things. Yep, so, absolutely. But that's that's all that's all part of it. Being here in Texas, now you lived in Kerrville for a while. Did you have an opportunity to fish any of those streams there in Kerrville? Like, oh, hundred uh, percent. Bought a little kayak when I was down there, and and the river fishing was phenomenal oh, yes. down there uh, between uh, the Guadalupe and the San Marcos and the Frio and uh, the the Lano. A couple other ones I'm probably missing. Uh, the light tackle, little little spinning rod, little two pound or three pound test line and, and a little beetle spin. And, and we had some great days on the river. Uh, I, I miss living in the hill country and, and fishing those rivers. Uh, I got to fish them a little bit. We used to, uh, uh, fish on kind of the headwaters of the new Aces. Of course, I lived in New Valley for a while. Mm-hmm. So we'd fish on the, the, the new Aces and the West Prong a fair amount years ago. And some of those areas were really shallow, except for it'd be water, maybe three, four, five inches deep. And then there'd be these little holes that were kind of washed out or you know between the rocks and you could drift something through there and oh my gosh you'd, the fight would be on and if you fished in the springtime most time those fish were so colorful and of course the water yeah. is crystal and clear so yeah, oh my god I mean you talk about jewels that you were catching they were out of this world fun to do yes before we get into some of the hunting stuff you and I got just just a few, very few days ago, we had an opportunity to fish with Chris Moody on uh, the Trinity River for alligator gar, which has become not almost a passion of mine. It, it's it's not quite there, but if I lived a little closer and had more opportunity, it probably would be. What was your opinion of fishing for alligator gar? How did how did you view that? You know, rarely am I surprised on a fishing trip, and I didn't know what to expect showing up an hour south of Dallas on a, on the Trinity River, and 
I, it was phenomenal. I I had no clue we had that kind of fishery within ninety minutes of my my front door. Um, it. I, just phenomenal. The fish were, these are river monsters. Uh, we were catching fish. I think the smallest one we caught was four feet long. Right. And the biggest one was close to six feet. And Chris wasn't real happy with that. He thought we should have caught some bigger than that. Uh, we saw some on the, on the scan that were, that were bigger than that. But I mean, we caught what a dozen, dozen fish, yeah. uh, uh, that day and, uh, phenomenal fights and, and just I wasn't expecting to pull up a six foot, <laughs> six foot fish from that portion of the river. Um, uh, they're, they're just they are they're dinosaurs. They are dinosaurs, and they're absolutely phenomenal in terms of being. You can catch them. Of course, we're using cut bait. Mm-hmm. The other side of that is Chris Moody is who has gar fishing addictions uh, and does all kinds of other fishing there in Richland Chambers area of, of the lake there as well too. But he really knows the gar. He knows the hole. He knows the rivers and he's caught fish in that thing almost at eight feet long so uh, first time I fished with him we hooked one that we thought was probably approaching that eight feet and uh, of course they're, the fishing for him is totally different is it not in terms of how you waiting to set the hook and all that other kind of stuff it's all pretty deli- delicate for as yes. big a fish as they are they've got very small mouths uh, I guess they can open them big but when they take your bait they really just kind of mouth it and play with it and I mean we watched fish swim around with the bait for what four five six minutes Absolutely, before Chris yeah. said okay time to set the hook now uh, and and you're right he, he knows exactly how to target these fish he's got the program down and uh, it just you want to have a great day close to the Metroplex. I I highly recommend going and catching. I mean, in the smaller fish, they'll get up like a sailfish and just tail walk. Oh yeah, uh, and come come out. I mean, almost like a little tarpon coming yes. out of the water. And uh, you get one of these next to the boat, and it's kind of like we're going to need a bigger boat. These things are are big fish, and they start to flop around. And got to watch your hands. Uh, you, you they're do. toothy. They, they are. They're very toothy. And, and the fact that they have, uh, I can't remember the total number of teeth, but uh, they have a, a double row. So the bottom row, I, can't, I guess it's the bottom row that fits inside the upper row, which has two rows of teeth. And those things are unbelievably needle sharp and all that kind of thing. And so, and they do. I, I love the fact that they'll come out of the water and tail walk. And, and particularly, and I've seen some of the really bigger ones do it too. I've, I've caught them up almost seven feet long and they'll come out of the water like a tarpon is shaking their head kind of thing and i mean it's impressive it is it is impressive yeah now we were fishing primarily for alligator gar but you caught two foot two other fish you caught a cross did you not of of gars yes sir uh according to chris uh i caught a hybrid it looked like a hybrid between a long nose and an alligator gar and just a a different type of snout on on the fish it looked like Uh, a little bit smaller than the average alligator gar i think but pretty colors got that spotted gar back to it. Uh, unfortunately, we lost it right at the boat, uh, so I can't claim it officially, uh, but we caught that, and then we caught uh, caught a really nice blue cat, about a 20-pound uh, blue cat. My personal best blue cat, so I was pretty happy with it. Um, and that, that was a whole lot of fun, and fought very differently than the guard did. And so when it, when it took the bait, it screamed with the bait. The right. bait took off, and so we knew we had something a little bit differently. So super interesting day, super interesting fishery, it's nice to see Texas Parks and Wildlife studying these fish. 
Chris said they only grow after their first year to uh, half an inch to an inch a year based upon his extensive tagging that he's doing along that, that stretch of the river. So a really unique fishery, one that needs to be protected, but, but really, really cool. Had no idea we had fish that big, that close to Dallas. Uh, had no idea. Forget, don't have to go to the coast to catch a big fish. <laughs> no, so. no, you really don't. Uh, and that said, very recently in Texas, there at uh, Lake Corpus Christi or whatever they're calling it these days, they caught one that was like a little over 200 pounds, like 205 pounds, and was like eight feet long. And, and again, those kind of those kind of car exist in some of these watersheds that we have here in Texas. And at one time, I think the, the alligator gar's range was considerably large larger than what it is now, but for the most part, in years past, they were looked at totally as rough fish that you got rid of, and then people all of a sudden go, wait a minute, these are truly unique animals, and they grow slowly, and so, and and it's like Chris. Chris started out as a bow fishing guide, and then he goes, wait a minute, we're killing these fish. You know, they're they're extremely old. They're, They're big. If we catch them, we can tag them and learn about them, see where they move, and what rate they grow and so he really got into the fishing side of things and then I'm, I'm glad he did and there's some other great outfitters out there our guides out there as well too but it is a very unique fishery kind of thing it is. speaking of fish you you, you and I were fishing there on the Trinity but right before that you were somewhere in the far north country and did you do any fishing up there when you were there oh I was uh, I recently got back from northwestern uh, coastal British Columbia which was a part of the world that I had never been to and don't know why it took me that long to get there because it was phenomenal. Uh, Flew into uh, Vancouver and then took another hour and a half flight north to Terrace, British Columbia, and then about a three-hour truck drive to the end of the road uh, in um, up there, and I'm drawing a blank at the moment. Uh, now that you've put me on, well, there's the spot. Huge, um, excuse me, they're huge expanses where there there that is. It's it's a blank spot on the map when you it, look at it. It pretty much is. We were in Stewart, British Columbia. Stewart, yes, sir. Yes, yes, right on the Alaskan border, and I went up there for a uh, spring coastal bear hunt with Milligan. Outfitters um, and Bob Milligan is a longtime outfitter up there. He and his son Bobby operate Milligan Outfitters. They have 10,000 square miles of a guide area up there, and the vast majority of it never gets touched. It's just a huge, expansive area. Um, they focus on, they're primarily known for mountain goats in the fall. Uh, mountain goats. Uh, and then they do a uh, spring bear bear hunt as well. That was absolutely a phenomenal trip. Um, uh, got up there. Uh, Air Canada lost my bow for three days. <laughs> so for three days, um, I, I wasn't. I was, I was head bear spotter and uh, head, oh head head crab and pawn prop pull, puller. Um, but uh, the seafood was phenomenal, and uh, the fishing is just kind of a side deal for them. You get in boats. Uh, the hunting consists of waking up uh, late, sleeping in, having a having a nice brunch, uh, breakfast there in town in Stewart. Get on the boat about noon, and you cruise the inlets. And these bears come out of hibernation, and they're hungry, and they they come on down to the beach. Uh, we were hunting it towards the end of the season, so the bears were in rut, and the boars were down chasing the sows on the beach. Uh, 
just phenomenal in all aspects of it. Uh, really like the guides. Um, Air Canada finally got my bow to me at the end of day <laughs> <Thank> three. <you. laughs> uh, yep, yep. By day four, uh, we we shot a very nice bear with the bow, and so that was good fun. And uh, the, the, like I said, the seafood was amazing. Got to do some fishing. Got to pull a bunch of crab and palm froth pots and uh, uh, just a phenomenal trip and I will probably be going back next year. It was that good. So <laughs> Those boat trips are just, you're right, phenomenal and they're so much fun. They're they're relaxing yeah. because as you mentioned, generally you, you hunt later in the afternoon when the bears have a tendency to move. The mornings you can sleep in or you can fish or just the, the wildlife watching too I'm sure was out of this world talking about some of the, the, the whales or the, the birds and the other things that you see while you're there. Absolutely. Just cruising down the inlet. It's such an enjoyable way to hunt. And you, like you said, we saw whales and, and porpoises and sea otters and bald eagles and just grizzly bears all over the place. They, uh, uh, the British Columbia government, uh, shut down grizzly bear hunting about 10 years ago, uh, uh, no scientific reason given. It was just socially unacceptable was the uh, uh, the term they, they gave right. it. And, and now grizzly bear populations have exploded <laughs> up there. They are There were grizzlies in town. There were grizzlies on the road. Uh, speaking with, with Bobby, the areas that used to be really big for black bears, the grizzlies have moved in. They've killed all the black bears out and have taken over. Um, they're really becoming a problem up there. There's so many grizzly bears walking around. So lots of grizzlies. Um, and we're working with the Guide Outfitters Association of British Columbia to hopefully get grizzly bear hunting back one day uh, because there needs to be some population control up there. Um, so There really does. I'm hoping to have Scott Ellis on a bit mm -hmm. later on. Uh, Scott and I have been friends for a long, long time with the GOABC, and, yep. and I've had the opportunity to hunt up in some of that country, and it's amazing the number of grizzly bears. There was never a lack of grizzly bears to begin with, and, and the sad part about it is, as you mentioned, they're going into these areas, and they're wiping out not just the, the four-footed hooved animals, you know, sure. they're, they're prey species, but now they're they're also serious predators on black bears. Absolutely. Food, yeah, so. black bear depredation is an issue up there. The uh, the grizzlies are eating a bunch of them. It is. Now, you, I want to go back because I like to eat. Yes. And you mentioned some of the seafood. So, so I'm assuming it was Dungeness crab and then prawns? There were jumbo spot prawns were what they were pulling out of these pots. Or, and they were about as big as your hand or bigger. And about, I don't know, five or six to a pound. And uh, uh, one of the nights we told Bob, don't even worry about cooking any sides. Just melt some butter. Right. And we've got Dungeness crab and shrimp and we're good. And we just feasted. And it, it was amazing. I mean, you walk down to the dock where our boats were parked and they'd have a crab pot right there. And you'd pull it, pull it up and you'd have 20 fresh crabs in oh there. It was, it was just amazing. So... As, as a Florida guy growing up, loving seafood, I could eat it almost every, like my wife can eat Mexican food growing up in Texas every day. I could eat seafood every day, and I was in heaven. So I could have stayed another couple of weeks and just eaten nothing but, but boiled <laughs> shrimp and, and boiled crab that we had fresh every night. It was phenomenal. It, it is. That's, that's one of those things that if you have not experienced, you really need to. And again, yeah. the, to me, the boat hunts, I love black bear hunting. I've hunted all over North America except for an area over in North Carolina where some of the really big bears are in terms of body wise. That's one of the fears that I've not hunted black bear. But black bear comes to me at the ideal time. It's a spring hunt, mm -hmm. generally. You can't
can fish. It's a relaxing hunt. And I've hunted them with dogs. I've hunted them with predator calls, spot and stalk, you know, baited, all those kind of things. And it's it's a very much of a fun hunt. It comes at an ideal time. It's relatively inexpensive compared to some of the, the other hunts that are out there. And there's so many opportunities to hunt bear. And of course, there are different color phases. So uh, I'm always looking for an odd colored bear if I can find one. And, and But I love the opportunity of getting up in the morning when everybody else is still asleep. I'll get up and I'll go fishing or I'll go walking yep. around. And if you're sitting on base, you see all these phenomenal birds or such as the spot to stalk as you did with there on the water. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh my gosh, it's phenomenal. Very enjoyable. Very, very enjoyable way to hunt for all the reasons you just did. What, what's next as far as hunting and fishing is concerned for you? You know, I'm really excited. Uh, I do have, have done a good bit of do-it-yourself hunting out west. Uh, I kind of got into that about 10 years ago, and I love going with a buddy or by myself and just uh, getting to a trailhead and putting a pack on my back and, and going in somewhere and, and doing four or five days in the backcountry. Um, found, a, found a place in Utah and... Uh, uh, did all the all the research that goes into getting tags, and uh, have figured out in this area that uh, with a muzzle loader, I can draw a tag about every year. Wow. Knock on wood. Uh, in the last five years, I've I've gotten drawn, and um, uh, there are not. It's it's for mule deer, and there are not big mule deer there, but there are a bunch of them, and they're a whole lot of fun to hunt. And so, uh, like I said, I've gone gone solo a couple of times, and gone with some friends. Uh, this year is going to be really special, uh, taking my son out with me, who, oh, who is cool. eight years old and kind of getting to the age where he can walk around now, some of the ups and downs. And uh, just found out last week my dad's going to come join us. So, Oh, my um, gracious. That's and, me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, That's yeah. So we're going to have uh, three generations kind of doing doing a camp out. And it'll probably stay near the trailhead this year and do a, do a base camp and then, then go up into the mountains there. But uh, really looking forward to a special week with with my son and my dad oh my uh, coming up in uh, late September in the mountains of Utah. Yes, sir. Oh, what a fantastic yeah. time to be up in the mountains. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, can't wait for that. Well, so. one of the things we do want to remind people of is we've got our convention coming up in January, and we're talking about hunting and fishing adventures. There is no finer place on earth to book a hunt or to get to know something about the outfitters. You've got the outfitters there. You've got probably somebody in that building that's hunted with that particular outfitter as well too and so it gives you not only the opportunity yeah. to, to visit with the outfitter see what they're like you know get to know them just a little bit find out about everything that they've got going on with them they'll a lot of times will tell you well, so-and-so honey with well, there he goes right there why don't you go talk to him yeah and to me DSC's convention is such a great resource when it comes to anything having to do with hunting and fishing, whether it's in your backyard or whether it's worldwide kind of thing. So that's coming up in January this year. We'll give everybody a little bit more heads up as to exactly the dates and all that. I don't have my calendar with me, but I know I've got (laughs) that always those first two weeks of of January pretty much blocked out to to be sure that I'll get to be at DSC's convention as well, too. And I see you over there on the phone, hopefully. Uh, Yeah, January 11th through the 14th this year. So that's, uh, that, that, that's going to be convention this year. And, uh, always a fantastic time and, and and you're right like you like you said not a better time to get talk to the outfitters 
talk to people who have been there and done that already. It is a phenomenal resource. Um, and that's that's kind of one of the reasons I had such a great bear hunt. I have talked to several people who have been with yeah. the outfitter, been to this area, done this hunt. And they said it's world class, got to go. And and they were right. And so um, it, it really is a great resource to sit down because, like you said, there might be 20 outfitters that hunt the same animal, but like shooting a new bow or a new rifle, you might have one that fits you a little bit better. And Absolutely. that could be different for every person and the chance to yes. go and sit with them, talk to them, talk to people who have been, see if your personality meshes. It really is a great resource to go spend a few days at the Dallas Fire Club convention. Yeah. And when you come, don't plan on spending an hour or two. Say, well, I'm just going to go spend the day. Uh, you're going to get in the front door, maybe, in maybe the first three or four aisles. And I think we got like nearly 20 miles and miles with all the different outfitters. So when you come, plan on spending a very minimum of two days. If there's any way that you can be there all four days, I would highly recommend doing so because you'll have such a great time not only seeing the, the convention itself, but there's so many great people there that you'll meet. They are. And, it's like a we've said it so many different times in the past. It's like a huge family reunion. And so, uh, <laughs> and the people that you don't know when you get there, pretty good chance you will know them before you leave there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Yep. If you don't know somebody, pretty good chance you're gonna have a beard and enjoy a story or two with them, <laughs> and uh, you'll know them by the time you leave. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you got some great, great hunts coming up. I'm almost jealous that I'm left seat. You reminded me that I've got grandkids that I need to take hunting this year as well too. And so yep. it may be a three generation hunt this year with some of the things I've got going on. What a fantastic way of doing things! But uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for all the work that you do with and for DS and producing the Game Trails magazine and the other things that you do. But if you're not familiar with Game Trails magazine, the price of admission to being a member of DSC simply is worth whole lot in so many different ways but just to receive that publication and, and, and if you're around last week you heard about our member book that's coming out as well to our member stories so great opportunities there one more time uh, Connor if somebody wants to get in touch with you and uh, maybe find out a little bit more about the member stories or a little bit more about DSC or maybe they're planning a hunting or fishing trip that you've just come off of like I said with the Milligan family and how do they get in touch with you Oh, easy. Uh, anyone can go to uh, biggame.org and find all of our contact information there. Our telephone number, 972-980-9800. Or you can email me directly, connor at biggame.org. And you spell my name the Irish way, C-O-N-O-R at biggame.org. Just one N and an O. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, yeah. Love to talk about uh, any kind of story submission, any kind of question about a hunting or fishing adventure, or just want to talk uh, about DSC. Give me a call anytime. I'm happy, happy to discuss. My door's open. So, Connor, thank you so very much for joining us. We're going to come back and visit with you a little bit later in the fall. I know you've got. I want to hear about your uh, three generation hunt. Absolutely. And others. And Absolutely. Thank you so much again for being with us, and ladies and gentlemen, we look forward to having you right back here around the campfire, the DSC campfire, next week, right here. Thank you so very much for joining us today. DSC's Campfires has also been brought to you by the Crown Bar in the Grange and Roundtop, Texas, Texas Wildlife Association, Double Nickel Taxidermy, H3 White Till Solutions, and Burnham Brothers Game Calls.